Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Our Strange Skies podcast. I am your host, Rob Christofferson. And returning to the pod, he has a new podcast out called High Strangeness. Steve Berg. Steve, welcome back to the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it, man. I always love to be here. Yeah, dude. Uh, I just want to say off the top, off the bat here, uh, I find you to be one of the most wonderful and refreshing people to be in this field of not only just podcasting, but people who are out there doing the research, doing the work. And like, it's something that this field and, and other like paranormal research fields has definitely has like desperately needed for so long because there's so many people that just get bogged down in like discourse and dogma and stuff like that. And then there's you who I think is like one of the best uniting forces that we have in all of these topics that we cover. So dude, um, it's, it's an honor to have you back and it's an honor to call you my friend. (laughs) Wow. I'm floored right now, dude. Like seriously. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think I've told you, I feel the exact same about you. Um, Mm. It's funny the people you, I mean, like, I guess, and and I'm not like saying this is a requirement for people to be like this in order to be like awesome people. It totally isn't. Yeah. But like, I do find myself gravitating towards people who um, one are very open-minded to this stuff and two are able to laugh about it because mm-hmm. I think, you know, there, there's different, like, you know, and I think what, you know, people are into this stuff for all kinds of different personal reasons. But like, for me, it's like, I had this, Definitely, since since I was a child, I had an intellectual curiosity, and to me, it combines philosophy, mysticism, spiritualism, entertainment, art. You know, like it's a great synthesis of everything I love in life. And High Strange is a great representation of that. But people like you, I feel like you know, you've done your podcast has done a lot to like I think help people grow themselves and their interest in this stuff. So, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. So uh, one name that I have for you that uh, I bring up uh, with people from time to time is I just call you the Nebraska guy because you're the Nebraska guy. Dude, So as as the guy that has kind of um, become that investigator of all that weirdness that goes on in Nebraska, like Mm -hmm. you to me are like one of the foremost people doing that. What does it mean to you to be that type of person in your state? Um, you know, it's cool. I feel like, um, it's, it's kind of weird because when I first moved back here, like I've always been interested in Nebraska, like weirdness for sure. But I lived in, you know, LA more than I've lived in longer than I've lived in Nebraska. You know, So mm-hmm. it is kind of, um, I feel like, you know, since I returned home though, I definitely have been like made a concerted effort to get involved and to understand the history and just like the small towns and it's actually got me so geeky just about nebraska weird history in general like mm-hmm. about how towns were started by like a welsh cult like in the late 1800s and they spoke welsh and wouldn't let women drink coffee you know like but this kind of stuff informs how folklore mythology and even high strangeness is experienced to mm-hmm. me 
And I think, you know, from reading so much John Keel and Valet and, you know, Greg Little and people like that, they they really kind of like teach you that in order to dig deep into this stuff, it, you can't just look at the phenomenon itself, but you have to really understand the people around it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's been fun to take Eastern Nebraska as my little microcosm and really just try to <laughs> go all in on it, you know, and I'm, I've found some wonderful stuff. So it, to me, it means a lot. Like it's funny. A lot of the older guard who like is a move on here. They're still pretty strong move on presence here. I talked to a lot of them and they want nothing to do with me, to be honest. Like, it's pretty <laughs> funny. Like, I, I took, like, five old MUFON, like, these, like, older gentlemen, probably all in the 70s, out to a Chinese buffet. That's where they wanted to go. And they just sat there and were just slamming lo mein and did not want to talk about, like, so I was like, so, you know, the, uh, the crop circle they found in, you know, 1987. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, they were so, and also just my questions when I was, veering into more of the weirder wooey stuff they were not very receptive to that so that's been interesting <laughs> i don't hate them for it though you know it's like that's that's their deal that's their mm-hmm. trip right on yeah for sure like i get that some people get stuck in their ways and you yeah. know they don't want to break out of those boxes and like no i get it mufon doesn't want anything to do with me and i've i've done my fair yeah. share of mufon slandering i mean i was right I, I played my part for like a few months and um I'm, that's cool like the day that i got <laughs> access to their cms was the day that we stepped out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I like what I plot. I wanted to be an investigator for them when I was like a teenager in high school. And I remember talking to somebody about it and they're like, this is not for like a teenager to do. And I was like, really? Why? You know, like I saved up enough lawnmower money. I had a car. I could go drive out and investigate. Mm -hmm. But they were like, right away, it left me with a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, oh, they were just like, you can't do this. And I was like, okay, (laughs) then I won't. Fine. You hear my feelings. That's completely ridiculous to me because, like, um, I was uh, sometimes like my ego gets the better of me, and I re listen to old episodes that I did, and I did that today. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to the to the Gulf Breeze episodes that I did with. My oh, friends. I love those. Yeah, I, I and I was, um, I was really you know going back and into like the the very just kind of like how weird it was out there and then like there's a lot of weirdness but like it's it seems to be you know manufactured and and things like that and there's there was just this guy named craig myers and he was a hardcore skeptic he was the one that knocked on the door that said did you find the model in in the attic basically right right so one of the things in his book and he wrote like one of the worst books about like, and I mean, you you know, it is whatever you think about the Gulf breeze sightings. It is what it is. But like the, right in the beginning of the book, he talks about how like teenagers are like emotionally stunted. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> no, they're All not. he's a psychologist now, you know, like, right. <laughs> stay in your lane, bud. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, Honestly, teenagers are pretty passionate people if you like if they have the means to do things. So like it's just wild to me that they would be like that, you know? Like yeah, if anything, like adults who are like beaten down by the capitalism system are stunted and like scared to death and more like, you know, have more like I don't know, like 
I, I almost think the opposite is true of what that guy said. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Like just very emotional people. Like they have passions for things. They explore those passions. It's just, sure. you know, it, it's a very exploratory time in your life. So like, yeah. I don't know to say that you, you don't have emotions. It's like, no, it's, no. it's you're actually hyper emotional. I mean, like to mm-hmm. me, like I think from like 13 to probably like my like 22 i was like going through a new phase every six months yeah or you know like i was like now i'm like in, um you know i dress like i'm in a post-punk band from the 80s and now yeah. you know, I, now i'm a neo hippie you know like i mean like it was <laughs> you're, you're just trying to find yourself you know like and i think still to to a certain degree i am i think yeah i, I just think like you know i think a lot of people that look into the stuff are on that journey. They are looking yeah. for something yeah. um, beyond them because like being here is such a big thing. Like mm-hmm. living is such a huge, it's a, it's a huge task to begin with, but it's like yeah. one that's fraught with emotion, one that's fraught with like all of this stuff. And it always seems yeah. like us as human beings, like, we haven't figured out how to deal with emotions because we always like push them away. And it's like, no, you're, you're not supposed to do that. And it's, well, it's like, then why am I fucking feeling this shit? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. Well, and and like life is just complicated enough to Mm -hmm. where if you dwell on any emotion too long, it's hard to move forward. And in a Western society like ours, if you're not moving forward, you're going to lose your health care. You're going to be homeless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the system makes you, makes you churn in your life. It's designed that, I mean, like, look, I don't want to get too political, but like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it bogs you down with a lot of distractions. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it makes it, it makes it tough for, for empathic people, man. <laughs> like, you it know, does. Tough for me, I'll tell you that much, you know, like it it is it is hard to be an empathic person um because like the thing about being empathic towards people is like sometimes it's just hard to remove judgment completely from the table. Like mm-hmm. it's just like you're stuck in your head and it's like you want to tell people, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that and it's like yeah. no, like like yeah. that's not what true empathy is, but like yep you know, living, living in the society that we do and just knowing how every day is a struggle for like everybody. Uh, for everybody. You know? Yeah, it really is. You know, like I have, uh, like, it's, it's so funny because you, you know, like just like I have friends out from the entertainment business who like, you know, I watched meteoric overnight success happen. Like mm-hmm. one day they can't pay their rent the next week. They're on a TV show that runs for seven seasons. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, I know this is such an old adage, but like, they're no more happy than they were the week before. In fact, it kind of brings upon a whole new host of stresses that they never even thought were possible or (laughs) would would happen to them. And like, you know, like now they can't go to grocery stores and, you know, without people like coming up to me, it's like, it's just, it's really interesting to see that in all circles of life and in all cultures, like no one's life is easy. And it's it's like recognizing that, you know, like sometimes when someone doesn't text me back right away or like I send an email and ignore it for a couple of weeks, I'm better at recognizing that that person has their own life and their own challenges. So Mm -hmm. I shouldn't take it personally. (laughs) You know, that's something I've had to work on very hard. But like, you know, I'm I'm better at it now. Exactly. Like, yeah, that is that is the tough thing is like 
you know, because we live at such an in such an on demand society, like everything at your fingertips, like communication at your fingertips. What I'm starting to realize is like, while we need to like we thrive in in with communication and like connection and stuff like that, realizing that maybe constant connection is not the greatest thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, God, you know, I I totally agree because there is like an addictive quality to it, you know. But I, what, what I will say, I guess, just personally speaking, that my interest, like, Fortiana has been. I mean, like, I, I'm not I'm not religious about it or fanatical about it, but like, I I have did not grow up with any kind of like religion or spiritualism in my life, and this stuff has always been there for me, <laughs> you know. Like, no matter what I'm into, what phase of my life, you know, where I'm living, what's going on exactly, I I always have this stuff at the end of the day to read a book, yeah, or listen to an audiobook or watch a documentary or just like learn new stuff. I I there's there's no way I'll ever have enough time to you know, read everything I want to read. I, I know that, but like th this, I can't remember what my point was, Rob. <laughs> but my point <laughs> is, this, no, I, I think like uh, I, my, my point was that this stuff is so important to me with like how distractions and everything in life, like that's why I take it so seriously. And the thing about constant communication is what I will say is for the vast majority of my life, probably until like three or four years ago, maybe five years ago, I was very alone in my interest in this stuff. Mm -hmm. I would just read all the stuff I had known to talk to, but now I get to talk to you, you know, and it's because mm -hmm. like, it's because I saw, saw someone retweet something hilarious or interesting that you posted. And I was like, I like that guy. I'm going to follow him. And I'll start to comment. Maybe he'll comment back. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, this guy's pretty cool. Next thing you know, we're talking and now you're, we're like friends. Yeah. Exactly. No, I didn't have that before, man. And to be able to like talk to somebody like you about this kind of stuff and not have to really explain myself. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it really feels, it's like a very important thing to me. Like really it is. It's, it's made me so happy. And like, I am very grateful to have like people who are friends in, in this world who care deeply about it. Like I do. So yeah, with an open and mind, and no agenda. You know, I think that's why, like, I kind of feel sorry for people who are sort of like just in that, kind of disclosure ufo disclosure reality tunnel because like right on i mean if that's interesting to you like I, i'm not judging but like it doesn't seem like the most pleasant place to be no. <laughs> you know? like, no. and i, I, I just always kind of want to say to people i'm like well there is a side to all this stuff that you find very interesting that is very pleasant and thought-provoking and philosophical and you'll meet some of the smartest people you'll ever meet in your life you know mm -hmm. like I don't know. Like, I feel like some of the smartest, most interesting people I've met in the entire world have been from this kind of scene for mm -hmm. in the 40 high strangeness scene. So I am truly grateful for that. So while I hear you, constant communication and Twitter and all that stuff is equally awful, but the beautiful side of it is really beautiful to me. It is. It is. And like, I, I think one of the greatest things about like this phenomenon in general, if you want to talk, if you want to call it, uh, like something that is all encompassing that can guide you in certain areas. It can right. lead you to people that like enter your life. Like it, it has led to like some of the greatest friendships that I've ever had yeah. in my yeah. life. And I am hella fortunate for that. And yeah. like, yeah, these, for as much as this is about documenting a, a type of, or different types of phenomenon, 
it's also just like a branch of philosophy if you really think it about is. it if you get deep into yep. it and, and and think about like you know in this day and age and like you know we talk about like not getting too political but i i don't care this is my show and if people yeah. don't want to listen they don't have to. it's inextricably linked no matter what so you can't get away from it exactly and it's like you see the rhetoric online and you see people talking about like um it, it, pr- promoting like you know anti-lgbtq plus stuff right. and anti-trans stuff and it's like you so desperately want aliens to be real, but you can't accept the, the that people in this world are different from you. Like, yeah. come on. I mean, I also just can't even just like if you like really think about what they're saying. I cannot. I mean, to me, like I'm a person like look, I don't like chaos, but I like novelty. Like I mm-hmm. like I do not like I can't imagine wanting to live in a world where everyone's the same as you. You all like the same things. You're spiritually all alive. Like, how, so what are you going to learn about? I guess right. we're just like, well, case closed. We're done learning. We're all the same thing. Like, right. I mean, like, it, I, I, what a horror world. That's like my version of hell is what these like, you know, neo-Nazi people want. And like, it's it's the most vile, disgusting thing to not be open to letting people be what they want to be. Yeah. I can't imagine like infringing your belief system onto someone's life because you feel like they're living it wrong. Especially, mm-hmm. I mean, if they're not hurting somebody, like if someone's like murdering people, obviously we have to, you know, like if right. someone's hurting people, I feel like we need to stop them, obviously, yes. you know, but, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just like, I mean, like I would never inflict my belief system, which I really don't have one on somebody who's not interested in it, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, right. that, you know, it's, it's just, it's so odd. And I, I feel sorry for them. I, obviously they weren't hugged enough as a kid or something, but you know. <laughs> yeah, like there, there's definitely, you know, I think one of the most interesting things is like, you know, and going through relationships and friendships with people is like, and and going through, you know, coming through this type of phenomenon, it has actually made me want to educate myself more on yeah. like, what it means to be a human being and stuff because for as much as this phenomenon is about something that is exterior to us it tells us so much about ourself mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and i think and and there's one quote that i want to bring up and i found this Ooh. the other day and i and, and this is like an interesting source for me uh for a quote because um like it it's just so like the, the guy who says it is um yeah like well, we'll get to them in a, in a second, but um, the quote, uh, whether UFOs are or not extraterrestrial is really only a part of the picture. In the final analysis, the process of studying this phenomenon and the people involved with it, of assessing claims and the counterclaims and of dealing with the question of how we as Earthlings will react to the discovery of a race of extraterrestrial visitors and how they will react to us. All of this and more. When... F- when finally looked at in perspective, leads us to the inescapable recognition that in studying the UFO phenomenon, we are at the same time becoming more aware of ourselves as individuals and learning something about the society that we are a part of. And that quote's from from Bill Moore. (laughs) Dude, I mean, God, that's, but like, that's, you know, let me, you know what? So I have a quote that, from i'll tell you after i read it and this is actually yeah. a book i'm going to recommend a book you and i were just talking about last week yes it's, it's, it's short and just as every baby is fully grown adult in embryo 
So he's also a complete human being in embryo. But this is the interesting thing, because you see, no human being on Earth has ever become a complete human being. We all start growing before we reach that stage. Colin Wilson. Opening ah. of Alien Dawn, brother. Yes. That's a <laughs> and, good book. Which I love, like, opening a book like that because he's basically saying, like, this book is definitely not going to be for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. if you if you feel like you've stopped growing in your you, – or you've reached final growth in your adult embryo, buddy, this book isn't for you. <laughs> and I yeah. love that. It's almost like a, a caution, like a warning. Like, <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um so man, I'm I'm curious. Um, yeah. Since you've started, you know, investigating and researching stuff in Nebraska, what is some of the weirdest stuff that you've come across since doing that? Jeez. Um, well, gosh, it's kind of a lot. That there is three. I mean, it really is. One, I guess I'll say this is that I knew growing up, I had like you know. Oh, God, I can't remember what it was. I, I wish I still had it, but my like library, I think it was in middle school, had this book that was about Nebraska, like folklore and like legends. I wish I could still find it, but it did have like, you know, five Bigfoot cases. None of them were like super compelling, like maybe one ran in front of a motorcycle or some, mm-hmm. you know, guy, guy riding the caboose of the Union Pacific Railroad Road saw one like in the distance. But then when I moved here, I um, I had heard about this one great uh, Bigfoot case from 2014 where a, a father and son were driving to uh, like driver's ed in the morning, like 530 in the morning. And right by these big bluffs, they both saw like what they said. It was like, an, I think, an eight, eight and a half foot tall, you know, Bigfoot looking creature run across the country road and jump over a fence into like a creek. And I, for some reason, I love this story. I've driven out to the exact site where it's happened. And I start, this is kind of the first thing I investigate. So I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to dig into this story. So I called the guy who wrote the article, like in the Omaha World Herald and talked to him. And then I called the um, game warden from uh, Southeast Nebraska. And the game warden, like in the state, like Nebraska, where hunting's big, is like a big deal <laughs> like mm. you know so it was super hard to get in contact with him but after months of like being annoying i finally got through to him and he was first off the weird thing was i i, I called him hello you know sir i'm a writer from omaha nebraska and i'm wondering about this case you investigated in 2014 involving you know a uh, bigfoot sighting he goes hold on i'm gonna stop you right there i go oh okay i thought he was gonna be like no whack job calls you know like i'm like oh right. fair enough but he goes not just five minutes ago I got at another sighting from the exact same area. And I haven't thought about that case for all this time. So it was like this weird synchronicity. And he Mm -hmm. thought I was messing with him. He thought I was one of his buddies from like the, from the warden office, you know, having a laugh. And he's like, he's like, did somebody like tell you to call me? I go, no, I promise you. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is very random. And um, I was trying to explain, like, well, there's like a synchronicity. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, eh, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> you know, but he <laughs> he was telling me that, like, he like look, he was like, look, before I investigated this case, I thought it was a joke. We really wouldn't even go out. But because of the veracity of, like, the testimony of the man who claims he saw with his son, like, he was really he grew up with the sheriff of Butler County. And the guy's like, he was an on the kid is an honorable student. They don't want their names in the paper. They do not want anyone to contact them. 
he thought the story had like some bones to it. And he said he's investigated some stuff out of farms where like the siding of a barn would be like ripped up like a piece of construction paper. Mm-hmm. After the guy said he saw like a Bigfoot in his thing, you know, by by the barn. And so he was like, I don't, he's, the guy goes, look, I'm not saying there's Bigfoot out there, but I'm, you know, I think there's something weird going on. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. And then I called the sheriff and he kind of said the same thing. And so then I was like, man, people, it's very, actually, it's easy to kind of investigate this stuff, I think, out here, because no one else is really doing it. Like, there were some pretty good investigators, Ray Boucher, who a lot of people know of, he's made a pretty good, pretty, you know, major contribution to the UFO world, kind of like, he kind of got Rendlesham going back in the day, I think that's what he was famous for. He was a protagonist in Redfern's uh, final events. Um, But um, he was doing, they had a 40 on, or a 40 in society, and Lincoln, Nebraska, these three guys, and the cops would just, used to just call them, and they would go and investigate UFO sightings and crop circles and cattle mutilations and stuff. Um, so that was a surprising thing to learn that there is actually a Bigfoot scene here. Like, I mean, there is a fair amount of Bigfoot things, and also this happens to be where people see lights over the Missouri River, alien black cats, flying wing humanoids. So where people are seeing Bigfoot. Historically, this is where the majority of high strangers also happened, mm. which really was like this kind of like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm playing John Keel. <laughs> you know, like this is <laughs> super fun. I'm like LARPing John Keel here in Nebraska and no one else is doing it. Like I had this whole like laboratory to myself. So mm-hmm. it's one, it was surprising that like this information is out there if you're willing to go out and talk to people and drive to small towns and talk to historians and librarians. They'll tell you stuff. They have old newspaper articles. And like they're so bored in these small towns that when you go in and ask for this stuff, they will bend over backwards yes. to help you. And yes. I will come bring coffee and like danishes and like offer them to the ladies, crack them up, start like, you know, you know, complimenting them on their blouses and, you know, their fun shoes. But like, you know, I mean, like it's just a really good fun. So I guess the most surprising thing was, was I didn't realize we had, I know we had a decent UFO history, right? But mm-hmm. aside from that, I was like, man, not much happens in the, has happened in Nebraska. And boy, I was so wrong. You know, it's, <laughs> it's as almost as strange as anywhere, you know, like I, and I wonder if that's true about any place, if you look hard enough. Yeah, I would tend to think so because like, um, one of the things that I like to do is if I'm just scrolling through like the Humcat per se, and they have, um, you know, a reference to a newspaper article, I'll usually mm-hmm. hit up newspapers.com. And if they yep. don't have it, I will Google it to see if there's a library that has it. Yep. And the moment that I do, I will go and I will send them an email. And usually they get back to me like within an hour and they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. And, like I there was this one there's this one fascinating case from I think it's like 90, 66, 67, somewhere around there from Oregon. This young girl, I think her name is Kathy Reeves. She um, saw what she claimed to be like like walking tree stumps like just oh, like fantastic. running in in like i think it was on her property or across the road or something like that so i'm like okay i'm hella intrigued by this so uh-huh. i f- i tracked down the newspaper articles i tracked down the library where they're being kept and they're like 
Oh, well, I found there was a follow-up article, so I got that for you, too. And, like, you know, they're just so helpful to, like, pass this stuff along. And, like, there were people seeing UFOs. Like, these people had, like, like poltergeist kind of stuff in their house at the time and stuff. Like, like stuff that... uh, (laughs) And, like, with the Humcat, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you're going to find a case in there, but you're not going to find all the supplementary stuff because it's focused right. on, hey, these people saw humanoids. So yeah, going in there and it's like, what the hell was going on? And like, there were other witnesses that came to this lady's house and saw the stuff. So it's like, holy hell. But it's like newspapers are such a valuable oh, yeah. commodity for for strange sightings of things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's incredibly unbelievable. Like, yeah. um. The, the the one case that I always like come back to is the gondola man case because um, mm. there is a newspaper article out there that was written about this case that I have I'm trying desperately to track down but I haven't been able to yet and like the tone of the article that appeared in Flying Saucer Review that uh, I think Jerome Clark wrote and the tone of this newspaper article are apparently very different because like. The picture in this sauce review article, the man does look like he's piloting a gondola down a river. (laughs) What the hell? And then there's apparently an image in this newspaper of like some dude wearing like a trench coat and stuff like that. That's kind of creepy, but I'm like, no, that ain't that ain't gondola, man. That's not how gondola man works. (laughs) But like, yeah, newspapers just like incredibly valuable. Like, and I and and like especially where there isn't a large maybe like public perception about like the sightings that go on in 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 a particular area or something like that newspapers hella valuable you know like uh super valuable um it it is especially like some of these like because you know nowadays it's kind of tragic most small town papers are written by like a aggregate it's yeah. somebody from like, you know, like somebody in like Kearney, Nebraska, the newspaper will be written by somebody who lives in Chicago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're they're just reprinting AP stories mm-hmm. and like, you know, maybe one local article, but the local news is taken from online sources. Like, yeah, there's not not many papers left. And so these a lot of times these small town papers have been like there's the omaha world herald but that's kind of the new york times of of nebraska so they definitely have weird stuff especially you know going back 50 years the older you get the better the stuff was almost but um the small town papers were so good for like looking up high strangeness Mm -hmm. and that is a resource that's now gone because there really isn't small town papers that are actually written by local people so like you were saying like when, when you find these papers whether one reason why i think they're so valuable it's almost like Mary Heyer from, you know, Point Pleasant. She yes. was writing as a, with a cultural perspective of being a local person who yeah. understands the temperature of the town, you know, like people's belief systems, like who to trust, who to not trust, you know, like, oh, that's Joe, you know, he's been in and out of jail and he's a drunk and he says he sees a bunch of stuff, you know, but like, so we were getting this perspective of somebody they were doing boots in the ground because they lived there, you know, yes. like, so I feel like that art of like boots on the ground investigation, like I think in general is kind of, um, I think a lot of people feel like they don't have to do it anymore because right. the resources are so easily accessible. But I think there is something missing when people don't actually go in person and investigate things. Yes. Not, not always. I don't think you you have to write a book 
and go like boots on the ground, investigate everything. I, it's, you know, that's also unrealistic, but like, I do think one thing why myself and like a lot of people still really love John Keel and find his books endlessly valuable, mm-hmm. no matter what era you're in, is because he really was doing that kind of work. Yes. You know, he was, his books were kind of like a newspaper. The, now, the one drawback about Keel is that his sources, and like if you want to find out more about the right. story, it's oftentimes impossible to find anything else. Yes. So he could have been making so much of it up, obviously, but like I don't, I, you know, I bought the ticket. I'm taking the ride. <laughs> you know, right. I'm assuming he, I, I don't feel like he was making, I mean, I think he was maybe prone to embellishing things and sometimes yes. finding patterns and connections that, really pretty murky but as a whole i still find his style of writing very exciting and i find his approach to investigation and his willingness to change his mind mm-hmm. very um I, I love it and i miss it you know so yes gosh i'm um, sorry we were talking about newspapers here i am no, gentilizing no, no. as i do i think yeah but i i think we also yeah for me it's also acknowledging that the man was very flawed um, when it comes to, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he, he went on to proclaim that he believed that Roswell was, uh, I believe the cause of a Japanese balloon that had somehow entered our airspace. And it's like, maybe, but I maybe, yeah. I don't see it because like, you know, we got pretty good radar at this point. I think uh, yeah. I think we would have known if it was. A yeah, I mean, movie. like there, there is so many theories about Roswell and I truly don't. I'll never know where I stand about it. I'm so kind of like it's a, kind of an interesting case at this point to me. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, look at like Redfern's book. I mean, uh, yes. gosh, I can't remember. I, what's it called? Uh, Body, Body Snatchers in the, in the Desert. desert. Yeah. I read it. It was super controversial, but like, I also didn't think it was like the most outlandish thing in the world, you know, like during that era, like, I'm not saying I think he, he nailed it, but like with Roswell, almost anything's on the table. Like, you know, at this point, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, the, the thing I would go back to like the most, I think sometimes, you know, Occam's razor is needs to be applied. And I would say there's a good chance it was project mogul and they were just trying to hide it. There was a flying saucer craze and, someone in intelligence, you know, because at the time Roswell was like a, they had like nukes. It was a very, it was a pretty important place in terms of yes. military yep. strategery, if that's a word, strategery. We're going we're to use it, man. It we're doesn't gonna, matter. Yeah. This is our space. We make that's the words a, that we want. I think, I think that sounds like a George Bush gaff. <laughs> it probably does, but like, you know, that's fine. This is a safe space. I assure you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, here we are, Roswell. Who knows? We'd love to know, but um, we never will. Not unless you have the bodies or the UFO itself. Uh, yeah, but even and even then, then, people wouldn't believe it. Yeah, no. What can like, be believed anymore, you know? like <laughs> Exactly. And it, it's kind of like with Bob Lazar, because like when you realize and you read uh, one of the books that I'll recommend uh, here in a bit, but like Los Alamos was like connected with so freaking much and so many conspiracies actually came out of that place so yeah to, to think that you know it's another conspiracy is not that far off well you know? Dodie was uh waltzing around those halls too and i mean like the fact that like people are like you know who i i am assuming are fairly new to the ufo world have not even googled like who R- richard Doty is i'm like 
this guy cannot be trusted. I mean, like his job was to, you know, spread disinformation. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you mentioned Bill Moore, you know, earlier. I'm like, people need to listen to what he said at that MUFON conference. You can find the video. Yes, like, you it's can. like, listen to what he is saying, you know, like. Yeah, there's like, I think like 30 minutes of his presentation that I yeah. saw on like YouTube. And then like, that dude was fired the hell up. Oh, dude. I mean, like I apparently like Bill English, who is like kind of like, you know, a more conspiratorial, I think kind of like a right wing, you know, whack job was like threatened to beat him up. And like people, mm-hmm. someone was trying to get like because my, uh, my friend Greg Bishop was there. He was yeah. like running the merch table. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like he's kind of the Walter Mitty of like modern UFOs to me. Like he was like either there or like knew somebody who was there and he's like spoken yeah yeah, he's like spoken to everybody like you know but that in terms of just like comedy and me loving drama me loving like external drama would have loved to have been the audience yes of any ufo conference to ever be i mean that would be the the one to be at that would be amazing i've always thought a movie making a movie about bill moore would be amazing it would be amazing because like, uh, you know, regardless of whether like, I think he had more of an active than passive role than he will probably mm-hmm. ever admit to in, yep. in that space. And like, I totally understand not wanting to do that, especially when you yep. are a pariah in this field and oh, like, yeah. And we're ridiculed right the hell out of it. So yeah. like yeah, they lit I, his house on fire, man. <laughs> yes, they did. Which is so Ew. which is wild in and of itself. So yeah. Hey, let's let's start recommending some books. So one of the things I that I, I yeah, that I uh uh told Steve is like, hey, um pick some books. What do you think are the essential books that people should read if they want to get into this topic and stuff? And yeah. um you you've got seven, I've got like 15 but like that's just because i'm an overachiever here uh but yeah. uh, <laughs> and i thought i was going like too many i thought i was gonna have to pare yeah. that down i was like here's seven <laughs> to choose from and you know i got them kind of broken down a little bit into like your beginner and kind of your little more if you're if you've read and you want the next step um well yeah. you know and and that's actually something i kind of struggled with because i i, I was trying to think of like what is the book I would give to like a friend who was like, you know, he's watched some UFO shows. He's maybe seen like mm-hmm. a James Fox documentary or two. And yeah. And now with the recent news, he's like, Hey, you know, I think I'd like to read up about the, uh, this UFO thing, get up to date. You know, that, that is a so tough yes. to recommend that book. And I cannot wait. Cause I really was not able to come up with a good one that I think I could read today and still like. um Um, so i'm 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 dying to hear your what your take was on that okay um that was the that was the hardest one for me so the one book that i will always recommend to people that want to just start and like you want that starting point is uh somewhere in the skies by ryan sprague is is a great choice this is like for one, it gives you kind of a spectrum of what the phenomenon can be, mm-hmm. but it also goes into the deeper aspect of how does it affect people? How does right. this phenomenon really uh, change people's lives after they you know, experience these kind of things? And 
Um, you get a lot of that. You get some science in here, um, a little bit, tiny bit, the little bit that you can get into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of biased because my story's in here, but that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. This is my show. I don't care. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, it really is a good primer on like, if you are, if you really don't know where to start, this is, this is the book that I always recommend to people. Um, so, and, you know, I have not read that book, but I de- absolutely need to. Um, mm-hmm. First off, I think Ryan is such a good dude. He is. <laughs> like, you he's know, he's a good egg man. And that is saying something in, you know, because there's a lot of people who write books, even books that are good. But I'm like, they're not necessarily a good dude. You know, like Ryan yeah. is awesome. I think he's so he's so great. I think his podcast is great. And I think he's one of those guys who is able to do something that I'm not able to do. And that is have like such an open mind where he's yes. able to kind of straddle that. Cause I definitely know I've been on his show and I've talked to him and he is as interested in like the high strange side as we are, yeah. but he's also interested like almost in this more journalistic mm-hmm. type of way where he is definitely on top of all the current events. Yes, I don't feel is. like I have enough bandwidth, but I follow him on Twitter and I sort of like get my, you know, like, day-to-day ufo news from him because i i trust him i he's never like putting his own slant on it he's like this is what they're talking about right now yeah you know he's not like this is true for sure disclosure is coming he he doesn't have that approach and that is so rare because everyone is planting their feet and taking sides these days so i think that's a great choice i can't wait to read that book thank you for for giving me that tip yeah man absolutely so what uh What's your choice here? What's one of your choices? What well, do you okay, my, here's my bias. Uh, and this is one we were talking about. And I'm just going to go ahead and get this one out of the way. Okay, yeah. because I do think even though this is a very pretty opinionated slanted view, I am really, I have a hard time. I think I didn't so much as a kid, but at this age and where I am, I can't really recommend a book that doesn't have a lot of the other phenomenon, it's basically more 40 in books with like yeah. a UFO focus, but 40 on a, all that plays into the part. And I would say alien done by Colin Wilson. Yes. Because it does go through a lot of the classic cases, like in, in the players in it, like there's a whole chapter about like valet and Heineck in it, but he does talk about a lot about the psychic component. What happens to experiencers after they have a UFO encounter with the poltergeist stuff, with seeing like little, you know, like, so to me, and I think he, because Colin Wilson really like, I think UFOs were at the bottom of his list of, of what he was interested in terms of the occult and paranormal. Like, I, I don't think he was like a huge UFO buff. So it was kind of him writing from, I think he had to do a lot of research for this. Yes, he did. You know, and he even talks about this in his book. He's like, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. I didn't know a ton of the players. I mean, he knew of them, but he really had to do his homework for this one. So it's almost like one of his better researched books, I, I, th- I think, personally. Now, I mean, I think if you're like an old UFO buff and you've read all of Valet and Keel's books and stuff, like you may not find a whole lot of use for this book. Yeah. But I do think it's a pretty good one for newbies with an open mind. Yes, absolutely. It, it gives you a great sampling of like what the topic is in cases and like a a little bit of everything. And I think that's what makes it great. And an honorable mention in that kind of sphere of like new to the topic, I would say this book, I haven't read it for so long, but when I Timothy Good's book above top secret Mm -hmm. 
really gave a pretty good and it's not just about like the government conspiracy aspect. Yeah. It, it's kind of about the the it, almost the history of UFOs up until when the book was written, which I think was like mid late eighties. But yep. to me, as a kid, that I found that book wildly educational. It yeah, absolutely. You it know? is, it, and it does dive deep. So like, uh, he was the first person to print the MJ twelve documents into uh-huh. book form, uh, yeah. because. Um, uh, the way the story goes, um, Doty gave the documents initially to Bill Moore, Jamie Chandra, kind uh-huh. of like did it the whole secret spy type route where oh, they yeah. dropped this package with some like undeveloped film in it. Yo, like, oh, God, so good. So he got a little upset because they weren't sharing these documents around as as quickly as possible. So first person he went to was jenny randall's and jenny randall's like no i don't think so because she had had an experience uh with the rendlesham forest stuff and like some there was like a i think there was like a a a fake document that came out uh while she was investigating that case and she's probably written more about rendlesham than i think anybody has she's written like three or four books on it but she's then yeah she is she is fantastic and um when they realize when Doty realized, well, she's not going to do it, went to Timothy Good, and then Timothy Good put them into a, above top up to, above top secret, and then the FBI uh, was like, oh, we got to look into this. And like one of the best things is like if you go on to the FBI's website, there is a uh, a page about the MJ12 documents, and there's a bunch of pictures with the word bogus written all over them. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> so good that's so great that's so hey before we move on to that do you have any idea i have like always wondered what because jamie shandra like when bill moore disappeared he Mm -hmm. basically disappeared too yeah and i know he was like you know i think i mean like when people say he was a hollywood producer i think he produced like a couple softcore porn movies (laughs) pretty much but like what happened with him is he still alive like do you have any idea like i've even asked greg bishop who no, he's right. like, I have no idea. He's like, I heard he was living in Southern California, but like, I, he's like, I, for a while was trying to track him down too. Cause I wanted to interview him and yeah, nothing. No, like I have never heard hide nor hair of, of him Man. popping up anywhere. And like, that's the thing is like a lot of the players within like the, you know, the Doty sphere, as I like to yeah. call it, like it, it, and it's like, there's a lot of, people that you really wonder if they were real people, if they weren't yep. real people. One of those people yep. that I think about a lot is Myrna Hansen. Was she a real mm-hmm. person? Yeah. Uh, because like uh, Benowitz is already, you know, crazy um, yeah. uh, on that stuff. I'm getting to the point where I trust Leo Sprinkle less and less. And that's right. mostly just because like um, he was fired from his job. Uh, yeah, in the I think in the late 80s or something like that. But like he also he had uh, what you find a lot of the time when it comes to abduction researchers and like I don't want to totally slander the man. Rest in peace, dude. But like right. um, every, everybody who does hypnosis sessions like this has an agenda. So yeah. um, he definitely had his agenda. He, uh, and I'm not saying like the people with an agenda don't care about the patients that are coming into their door. Right. But 
at the same time, I don't think they're totally looking out for their best interests if they're worried yeah. about their UFO narratives. But mm-hmm. that's just me. Um, so uh, one of the books that I'll I'll recommend as a as a good history, and I don't I forgot to grab it, but um, is the Close Encounters Man by Mark O'Connell, uh, the story about J. Allen Hynek, and yeah. I think what's great is like. Not only is it the story of J. Allen Hynek, it's this great kind of condensed version of like the first like 40 years of ufology kind of just mm-hmm. like condensed into one book and like really well done and like really hits the high spots because not only are you getting like J. Allen Hynek's life, you're also getting like kind of the major touch points in ufology every single time. So right. um, that's also a great condensed uh, book for that. Um, and it's one that I, I have to read that book. I, so I am, I'm glad that, you know, I'm writing that down right now, right below Sprague's book, because I've been meaning to for a while. Cause I, I'm so fascinated with Hynek for sure. And like, like it's a very, like Heineck is one of those figures that I think is still, you know, he's a divisive figure still, even to mm-hmm. this day, like maybe not as much uh, because of like, um, you know, that book and just kind of the work that he did, but like, it's, it's an important one. And, and, and like the dude just seemed like a stand up guy most of the time anyway, yeah. but yep. Um, if you want the strangest of the strange, the one book that I always recommend, and it's it's bite size, you got to get it used uh, um, online. But it's the Field Guide to Extraterrestrials by Patrick Huey. Um, oh, this is, this is one of my all time favorite books. I've never um, read that. He is the guy who owns Anomalous Books, am I right? No, that's uh, Patrick Weege. No, right? Is, yeah, he he is he, the guy. No, I I don't think no. he is, but okay. like. The cool thing about these books, this book, he wrote one about UFOs too, like the field guide to UFOs. Um, but the cool thing is, is like he gives you the story and he gives you a nice little sketch oh. of that, oh, of the creature that was seen. That's yeah. a beautiful sketch too. Yeah. Uh, the sketches were done by a guy named uh, Harry Trumbor. And like these cases are like really unique. Like they're not the, you'll get like the the average cases that you'll um that you've read about and and stuff before like um the roswell aliens in here and uh and stuff but there's also stuff like that yeah yeah exactly but there's also um this, this is one of my favorites because um this is from uh bahia blanca argentina this guy um eduardo fernando Didu was uh, driving and he picked up this hitchhiker and this hitchhiker had a really big head. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Oh my yeah. gosh. And he basically brought him to his UFO, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. See, that's hitting the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, the weirdest of the weird that you could think of is is in this book. Like it goes from like humanoid shaped ones to like animal type ones and stuff. But like, when yeah, Field Guide to Extraterrestrials is great. When, when, you know when that was written or published? Uh, it was published in the 90s, I believe. Oh. Um, 96. See, and that was probably a very unpopular time because if you ask most people in the 90s, there was one alien people were experiencing that was the gray. Yeah, exactly. Like, like in 96, you almost like, you know, to like publish a book like that, we're like, hey, yo, there's actually quite a few things. No. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, it was probably absolutely. that's probably what I mean. It, 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 that's it, that's funny. That's funny. Oh wow, I'm definitely gonna read that. No, it, it is it is fantastic. Like it's a quick read. You know, you go through each of these encounters and stuff, but mm. like. It's one that I like go to when I feel like I need inspiration for something. Like I think I've covered most of the cases that are featured in it, and it actually led me to one that um, I uh, I ended up tracking down. It was an article that appeared in it was a pretty prominent newspaper. I can't remember exactly which one, but um, uh, it was a this guy. He was I think he was a. Uh, white collar worker but he had abduction accounts and like we're talking like the mantis kind of beings that uh, oh. he would interact with and i'm pretty sure i got it from this particular um book because like there's just like a sketch of a mantis yeah Ooh, yeah i mean that would be that's horrifying i mean that that's kind of like with the figures that William S. Burroughs describes in Naked Lunch and uh yes. that had a that had a that had a visceral shock to me when I read that book years ago. And oh I yeah I do not for... want to experience mantis beings. No and thanks. and honestly the naked lunch if you are interested in the high strange aspects of this phenomenon go read it. It's it's yeah. perfectly applicable yeah. to this well I mean William S. Burroughs period was really just like a high strange writer. Yeah, he was. He totally, he totally was. And like some of his books can be a little harder to approach. I feel like he's almost best enjoyed there. I have like a huge anthology. It's like super thick of like a ton of his European interviews yeah. from like the 70s. And they are all he's talking about is this kind of stuff. He just talks about it in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, it's he he's he's a I mean, like, that's another thing about like, you know, getting into UFOs and, and Fortiana and stuff is that after a few years of like intensely reading this stuff, you realize, oh my gosh, now I'm reading about like, you know, a Mongol, like a Mongol mystic back you know, 2000 years ago, you know, like yeah. it requires, I mean, the, the you will have to stretch out, you know, and it's, it's, that's one, one of the most wonderful things. Yeah, no, it really, it really is. Um, for sure. Um, so um, you got what else you got here? Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm well, I didn't uh, I only grabbed a few books, but I'm gonna uh, you're good. I'm going to recommend a new book that I read last year, I think, and it was probably my favorite new book I've read in a handful of years, and that is Origins of the Gods or Origin of the Gods by Greg Little and Colin Anders. Mm-hmm. And somehow this book came out and just like it did not make a splash at all. But it is really, 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 really good. It's, I mean, I thought uh, Collins, like it was, it's kind of written like the first half is Colin Andrews, the second half is Greg Little. Colin Andrews' half is really great. But Greg Little's half to me is groundbreaking. And he's kind of like the focus of it is kind of like there is this plasma energy, like this raw form of like energy that is just what the phenomenon in general is and it will manifest itself in a multitude of ways mm-hmm. throughout history throughout culture you know depending on what your belief system is it's almost like you know it it definitely falls back heavily on like Jungian ideas of us swimming in a sea of archetypes and sort of having you know input on how the thing manifests but i do think it is the, the the writing style is great. Greg Little, I think, is such an unappreciated per, like person in he the is. field. Yeah. Um, 
in general. But that book, I really found a super fun read. It's actually an audio book, too. So it's a great road trip book. Like if you're doing some summer driving, going to see your Nana in Daytona, man, eh, you could do a whole lot worse than Origin of the Gods. Highly recommend. Absolutely. That is one that I need to put on my list. because Oh, you'll love it. It's very fun. Very fun. Yeah. If you're reading about this phenomenon, you're you're bound to run into synchronicities. It's you just bet. it's just going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to you. And I think re- like learning about synchronicities is one of the is great. It's it's something that you need to do. Um, and um, I think the best book for that is uh, Synchronicity: Science, Myth, and the Trickster um, by uh, Alan Combs and Mark Holland. This, you know, for for a couple of dudes that are, you know, professors, one's an English professor, one's a psychology professor. It's a very approachable book on, you know, like it goes through Jungian archetypes and and, and Schrodinger's cat and things like that. And it really it it makes it very approachable for anybody, because like most people are going to tell you to go read, you know, The Trickster and the Paranormal by George P. Hansen. And like, yeah. As great as that book is, it is not yeah. for everybody. It and isn't. It isn't. And, uh, you know, like, if you do read it, follow George's advice and actually skip around in the book because it makes it mm-hmm. that much easier to read when yep. you do it. Because, um, you know, read it, read the things that you're interested in the most and then go to the things that are, you know, least interesting to you and it will mm-hmm. be a better read for you. But this book, and it's one that he recommends himself, is... Yeah, it's just very approachable. It's it's also not long. It's only 184 pages. So, oh my god, I could not be more interested in a book. Okay, sorry, Rob's holding it up for me right now. <laughs> Science, myth, and the trickster. Okay. Yep. I'm so excited. But it 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 dives into you know, like you know what the what the trickster is what synchronicities are and like you know it doesn't it doesn't hammer you over the head with it because like there are some people that will hammer you over the head and like synchronicities um they're they're a blessing and a curse and they are a giant pain in the ass Uh they just are because like unraveling them i don't think we're meant to unravel them i think they're just there they're kind of like guideposts signposts when we need them and then other times they're trying to tell us things that we're not maybe not going to get at the time when we experience yep. them, but like down the road when hindsight becomes a little easier to make, um, uh, you know, mention of you'll, you know, come to those, um, and you'll come to those meanings and, and, you know, they'll be like, Oh, it's, it's like one of those like, um, realization gotcha moments, which yep. are, which are great. Um, and speaking of like books that, are not specifically UFO related, but that everybody should read anyway because of the type of people that get involved in this field. Uh, when Prophecy Fails uh, is an important fucking book uh, for people to read. Um, it's by uh, Leon Festinger, Henry Riken, and Stanley Schachter. And you know, this came out in the 50s. This is a book about, you know, it basically a UFO cult that, you know, predicts the end of the world, but it doesn't, it doesn't come to be, you know, which is, 
the typical thing. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, it was it's basically a you know psychological sociological study of you know that and like prophecies that fail miserably. So like, wow, it's 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 an important adjacent book that I think is like essential for anybody on this journey uh, to to you know get into this subject for sure. Whoa. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'll move this one up and talk about right now because I think that would pair very nicely like a fine wine. It's mm-hmm. Messengers of Deception by Jacques Vallée. Oh, it's on my list too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that book, I mean, like, it's not like a book I would give to somebody right away because I think no. they'll be like, I never want to read about UFOs ever again. <laughs> but right. um, I, I think it's like one of those great maybe year three. You've got some good books. You've got a fairly good knowledge base under your, um, like right now, like it's the kind of book I would like to drop from the sky out of an airplane mm-hmm. to all the people who are obsessed with UFO disclosure. Yes. Yeah. You know, and just say, watch it. There is a fanaticism about this topic that is very dangerous, you know, yes. like, and I think that book, I mean, like while all of valet, I really do. I'm, I am kind of a valet dork, but, um, I do think that book is wildly unique and so important and will continue to be important for as long mm-hmm. as UFOs are being talked about. Yes. Because it, it, it's even like what a lot of like Dinah Walsh Basuka writes about. I mean, like he's talking about a new form of religion. Yes, yes. And this book was written 30-ish years ago, some, I mean, or 40 years ago. God, I can't remember. Yeah, it was written it was in published. the 70s. Yeah. yeah, like late 70s, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it's just... And it also touches upon synchronicities, like, you know, and all that stuff. It, it's a very good book. It's almost kind of like he's not talking about cases as much as he do, usually does in his books. But it's, his, it's kind of his more journey into the world of UFO fanaticism. And yes. I found it like it was I read it at the perfect time where I was maybe, you know, like because there are times, especially when I was younger, not so much anymore, where I found myself becoming almost a fanatic of a certain idea of what UFOs are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this book was great for me to read when I read it. I think it was probably over a decade ago, but I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Keep open, never just be certain about anything in this yes. topic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, if you're looking for certainty, UFOs are not for you. No, no, they they definitely are not. and piggybacking off that um i think this is an essential reading for anybody like even like even in regular life saucer spooks and kooks by adam go rightly god bless that book this this like what i love about this book is it took everything that Greg wrote in Project Beta that was written uh-huh. about in X Descending that was yep. written about in like all of the like deep heavy conspiracy books and it condensed it into one book that is very readable very uh, digestible like you can read this book very fast and you can see where you might be um a little hesitant to believe a guy that says, Hey, uh, I got information that we've got, you know, alien <laughs> technology and stuff like that. If Eric, you read, this, yes. if you read yes. this, you will find that that is the case. Like this is nothing new. Like this I mean, is the same old shit. 
Yeah, I I mean, like I I would totally. It's in fact that didn't that was not on my list, but I'm upset it wasn't because I read that book in one sitting. First mm-hmm. off, I love I love Amgo Riley, and yes. if you've heard him on a podcast before, first off, it, it sounds like his voice, and I I just hear yes. him reading it in my head, and so I couldn't put the book down, and I was like, oh, it's so fun to spend an afternoon with Adam, <laughs> and uh, but that book is he's such a good researcher. Yes, he, he really is, and he is. He has like I don't know, like he's a very special guy. He wrote a book about the conspiracy world called Happy Trails to High, High Weirdness. Yes, and it is an that, essential book. It is so good, and it's hilarious. I mean, he talks about yeah. Jordan Maxwell, the consp- you know the kind of Freemason conspiracy theorist. Like before, he was doing his lecture was selling like Costco rotisserie chickens for gas money. Yes, and that type <laughs> of stuff. In, in the book, it has a picture of one rotisserie chickens. And it's that kind of like comedic look because he's so funny. And Saucer Spoofs and Coops is genuinely laugh out loud in certain parts to me. It is. Um, it is. I, 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 he he's one of those guys who synthesizes kind of like everything I love about these topics, where it's like super well researched, totally informative, a lot of stuff I've never heard before. And he is like able to laugh at the absurdity of the situation. Yes, <laughs> you know he is. So if that in, if that tone is interesting to you, that book, you're right. That that is such an A plus. He, he hit it out of the park. That great wreck. Yeah, and and I think what's great about it, and I'm not shortchanging anybody, you know, else who's written about, you know, like Paul Benowitz or anything like that. Yeah. He goes he goes beyond it to show how those like myths that came out through Benowitz and stuff kind of kept going and kept going and oh, yeah. still perpetuating even to this day. Like he yep. talks about the uh, Dulce papers and Tom Costello and, you know, gets Phil into, Schneider. Yes, Phil <laughs> yeah. Schneider and like NIDS and, and stuff like yep. that. He gets in, he goes beyond it. So I, I think that's, what's really, you know, great about that book. Yeah. And, yeah. It's um, like it, look it, to a lot of people. I think they would read that book and it would disrupt the way they think about UFOs so much that they may not like it. Yes, you know it is one of those books that's going to be like it's going to make you question the things that you've like, you know, heard for a long time. And but mm-hmm. it's an important read. It's it's sometimes you have to confront yourself with these ugly uh, truths. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. you absolutely do. And I think like um, I think a great companion book to that is uh, mirage men um oh yeah totally because it also kind of like goes all over the place with with things and like um and and does a good job and i mean if you watch the documentary you get a lot of what um was conveyed in the book too yeah yeah the book Um, i the book i I thought was that it was a like I thought that was a you know I think I remember when I read Mirage Man I'm like oh what a great companion piece to Project Beta and then mm-hmm. you know like I think Saucer Spoof and Kooks kind of like took both those books and then just stretched it out even wider yeah so th- those three th- that's a great that's a great trilogy those are three books I would highly recommend on any bookshelf so yeah oh, absolutely absolutely um, um okay well I will I will go with Patrick Harper's The Demonic Reality yes absolutely. Um, this is a book I like for some reason didn't read for a long time and then did a few years ago and it blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of takes the old idea of Damon's, which is kind of like, I mean, it's, it, it's very heavily, uh, young, Jungian influenced and he sort of, it's kind of what it, it's, you know, it's not a pure UFO book. It, again, like a lot of the books I'm recommending are 
blend a lot of high strangeness together to explain UFOs or to, you know, use comparison to ufology, but it is such a good book and it really goes through uh, history and, you know, current day, how we experience, how culture, the cultural lens influences what we experience. Um, it even kind of hints around with a new idea. I like people have been talking about lately. I think Joshua Cutchin has been talking about it where he talks about how we as humans worship technology. Yes. And yeah. worship things that are slightly ahead of us because they almost looks godlike or magic like or just advanced. And even today, I mean, we worship technology. You know, and we UFOs do. are such a great representation of a technological god. Absolutely. And when you think about it and like how like chemically in our brains how technology affects us, you know, yes, especially absolutely. your the you know, the way that it affects like your phone, having your phone yep. on you and, and using it affects you. Like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and we're going is, into like the with virtual reality, like at the precipice of tricking all five senses. I mean, you know, it sounds like so far so far fetched that virtual reality could like mimic all five senses perfectly, but we'll get there and it'll probably be a lot mm -hmm. sooner than we think. And yeah, how does that impact us? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I think a lot of that kind of stuff has to is is definitely like, you know, intertwined with UFOs and yeah. Fortiana in general. So absolutely. Um you know abductions aren't as like prevalent as they were, but they're still like a no. big key part of this um, entire, you know, topic. And the go-to that I'll always send people to is John Mack's abduction, just because uh -huh. like he gives you a great overview of what the phenomenon is. in like the first 50 pages is like, Oh, this is what this is, but it's also, Hey, this is what I found while doing, you know, research into this and like interesting things. And I think one of the great things about this is like, he literally says, I appreciate the people that introduced me to this topic, but I went and I did my own thing with it and yeah. I went my yeah. own way. And that maybe made me some enemies in this field and that's okay. And right. uh, because it did like, Bud Hawkins, David Jacobs, they didn't yep. like Mac very no. much. They did at first, though. Wasn't wasn't Bud kind of the guy who, like, yeah, he first went and saw, and at first, you know, Bud kind of almost inspired him to like look further into it. But yeah, then once he, he did, saw the yeah. flaws in their research, like, yeah, these guys are definitely not doing it right. And right. they look, I love artists and stuff like that. I am one myself, but I shouldn't be hypnotizing people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> Like I definitely shouldn't. If, if if I ever asked to hypnotize you to um, retrieve your UFO account, just say no. Just don't. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, don't do it. We're not. We're not in the business of this. Uh, <laughs> no. um, I I no. would absolutely agree with you. I that I actually read that book when it came out. God, I was pretty young, and it scared the living daylights out of me. Mm -hmm. Like it really messed me up as a kid. It is a it's a troubling book, but like. It's actually also kind of a fun read. I would like to reread that. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a, and that, that looked like a first printing you were holding because I had that same yeah, dust jacket. Yep. yep. Yeah. I had that exact same one. Yeah. yeah it's um, definitely a good one. Um, and even his, his follow up book, um, uh, passport to the cosmos is, yeah. it's, it's good. It, it expands on it. It's like, you know, because he's very, consciousness based when it comes to uh -huh. this topic he's not very 
you know, uh, all about that, like, you know, the aliens want our material because we suck at reproducing. They suck at reproducing now and shit. And I, you know, I admittedly never read that one, but is that in that book, did he kind of like state that he, he, he thinks people are actually physically taken. Yeah. But their consciousness is like, yeah. Being shown imagery of being, you know, whatever is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they're experiencing. Right. Yeah. And then that at the time, as far as I'm concerned, was probably pretty groundbreaking and a pretty unique way of thinking at that time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, without, without a doubt. And um, yeah, it's just, there weren't very many people headed in that direction. The only other yeah. person that I, I could really see headed in that direction at that time was uh, Ray Fowler because mm-hmm. he was starting to um, grapple with his own, with the realization that he himself was an experiencer and that, right it's related to um, in, in one sense, near death experiences and stuff like Uh that, uh, which Uh he he starts to get into in uh, I think it's watchers. Um, But yeah, like he, in terms of the, like the popular um, researchers in that genre of work, he was probably the only one really in the prominence that he was in, you know, suggesting that, yeah it's related to consciousness and like somehow the aliens can just like take you out of your body and take you wherever you want to go and like Mm -hmm. there are some people that took that and like warped it like john lear definitely had the you know (laughs) aliens had the soul-sucking scene (laughs) on the moon yes (laughs) you know oh man you know like he's an example of a guy who i did not like ever like look into him for his research or what he believed, but as just like a, a UFO trickster. Cause I think he was like, I think he's, you know, he's, he was such like, he's such a fun cowboy, weird eighties figure that mm-hmm. like, I mean, don't take anything he says seriously, but man, he was entertaining. <laughs> he was very entertaining. Like his lectures are like fucking crazy, but they're, they're so they're, crazy they're dude. too. <laughs> Yeah, I used to follow him on like forums back like 20 years ago. And uh, the stuff he would say was just like, I would just crack up. And it was just some of the best comedy out there. Yeah, it really was. Really freaking (laughs) was. Um, So uh, one book that I always recommend, uh, because like, I I think with the, the perception that people have about like aliens and stuff, like, yeah, you go to those grays and like those like handful of races, but like, I think the history of humanoids is endlessly fascinating. So one book that I always like to recommend to people, and it can be hard to get your hands on, but there, there are like PDF copies out there is uh, the humanoids by um, is comprised by Charles Bowen. Um, A lot of this stuff was material that, um people had it 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 had initially appeared as like a kind of a an issue of flying saucer review was like flying saucer review special issue number one um but then he eventually expanded it into like a bigger book with more stuff in it but like it has the history of like Latin American humanoid sightings. It has the history of like the United States's uh, humanoid sightings. It has a really great comprehensive look at 
the uh, Lonnie Zamora case, the Scoro wow. case. Um, there's a great uh, piece in here by Jacques Vallée. Um, it's called The Pattern Behind the UFO Landings. And it's, you know, a, a report and analysis of like 200 documented landings since 1954, basically. Um, but there's like a lot of great researchers that people don't like um probably don't even know these days like valet is in here but so is uh antonio ribeiro who was like pretty much your guy um doing uh covering cases in i think spain um you also had um yeah in here like the the antonio vs boas abduction is covered yeah. you know pretty well um amy michelle who is like oh yeah the one french researcher that i don't think gets enough credit because like it, yeah. it's almost as if valet kind of supplanted him but like yeah he he wrote two really fascinating books on um ufos one of them is the truth about flying saucers the other one is flying saucers and the straight line mystery which gets into this idea of orthotony he believed yeah. that yeah ufos moved in straight lines um right. which you know he was ultimately proven wrong but like one of the most entertaining things is if you go back into like issues of flying saucer review and watch him valet and um who the hell donald menzel getting into it about how our thought me is like you know it's not accurate it's not a thing yeah. it's 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 bullshit but like yeah. um yeah this this volume is is so great and like there is a pdf available of like the uh actual flying saucer review special issue number one they're all out there but like if you can get it in book form i highly recommend it because there is some like extra stuff in here oh i am all over that book it sounds incredible and mm -hmm. one thing i would say about orthani that is interesting and i know orthani is you know kind of been proven by bullshit like ballet yeah they all kind of discarded it. But the interesting thing is, is like, you know, in terms of the fairy faith and like a lot of like mm -hmm. the folkloric mythical traditions and like, even like, you know, like in Asia, I think they, or I don't know where they, they, but they called ley lines, dragon lines. Yes. And that's the way dragons would travel. Exactly. And the, you know, in, read Paul Devereaux's book, who's done so much research on the Fae and like, kind of like sacred geometry and, plasma lights he's kind of all about orthotony without calling it orthotony like so mm -hmm. i think there is something to it maybe not necessarily with ufos but with high strangeness there's definitely like some interesting patterns that emerge yeah so i mean like while it's been discarded for ufos mm -hmm. i think for high strangeness in general it maybe deserves another look in terms of just an idea you know so. yeah for sure absolutely i would tend to agree um, so, okay, where will I go? I'm going to throw this out here and it's probably a pretty obvious choice, but Operation Trojan Horse by John Keel. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just, I, to me, that book, I think would probably represent, it's, it's a good representation, I guess, of how I feel about the topic of UFOs. And it's kind of one of the, like a lot of the books I'm recommending, it's not really like he's, he's touching upon the whole sphere of high strangeness mm -hmm. and kind of showing the relationships, the patterns and how these just might be manifestations of the same thing, but in different forms. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, that, and it's really, to me, it's his most organized book. Like 
It's not my yes. favorite Keel book. It's my favorite one that touches upon UFOs the most. Eighth Tower would probably be my favorite book but um, by him. But Operation Trojan Horse, I think, is a it's a little easier to understand than Valet. You know, they're they're definitely saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think Valet, you know, like I think like Passport to Magonia was saying a lot of the same thing this book is. But yes. I think Operation Trojan Horse is an easier read for most people. It is. It's a, it's a very, it's a much easier read. And on that note, I will, in terms of my valet recommendation, I will always recommend the, um, the alien trilogy. contact trilogy. And yep. so would I realistically, um, I don't recommend passport to Magonia for people to start with because, no. um, the main thing is, is like, I, I mean, Dimensions is kind of basically Passport to Magonia condensed down because uh-huh. half of Passport to Magonia is just a table full of UFO sightings and humanoid sightings and, and stuff like that. And yeah. if you're interested in that that kind of history, that is essentially like it's kind of like the Humcat, except yeah. like, you know, it's from, you know, I think like even the like the Magonian cloud ship stuff, it starts kind of there and then it goes all the way up to when it was published, which is like 68, 69, somewhere around there. If you're interested in that, you know, get your hands on it. But like, if you want the condensed version, get your hands on dimensions. Um, But like, I like the contact trilogy because it feels like he takes everything that he has learned up until these books were being published in the, late 80s early 90s and like puts it into these books the yeah. only caveat i will say is when you get to confrontations and he starts talking about the lead's mass case there is one glaring mistake that he makes and it's that um he really relies heavily on the ufo aspect of that case um especially when it comes to the fact that there is there are two spots up there on that on that hill where grass will not grow and he always yeah. like believed that it was the yeah. um, UFOs that were the cause when yes. in reality they dumped a bunch of formaldehyde on those bodies. So like formaldehyde's not going to lead to a lot of grass. Yeah. After that. No, so. that, the, the, absolutely. Absolutely. I will totally agree. Um, I had that trilogy right behind me and I had dimensions on my list as well. Uh, mm-hmm. That book, that might be the most in a weird way, my favorite ballet book in yes. terms of like pleasurable to read Mm-hmm. wildly informative there's some even gets into the control system in that book if i'm not yes he does a little bit mistaken yep. which he actually wrote there's a paper you can find online where it, it goes more in depth into his idea about the control system mm-hmm. but i remember when i first read that i was like whoa that was like jaw-dropping to me yeah and, and i think there's something to it i think it's such an interesting idea and um dimensions to me is great i would read them in order though you know like uh, yes. it, it, yeah. it starts with um confrontations right then dimensions no, then it's dimensions confrontations then oh yeah okay okay yeah they're all three i mean once you read one you're gonna want to read the others i mean they're probably his i think his work that will be around the longest yes absolutely um and yeah, the thing about Dimensions is like it is Passport to Magonia, but it's been updated. Like it includes mm-hmm. more recent information, and um, I think it like he re- he revised it just a little bit. But like, right. uh, yeah, it does go into the control system a little bit, and um, 
yeah like uh confrontations kind of like really getting into some of the stranger contact cases and then revelations is where you get into kind of like the deception aspect and right and it, it really is a, con- a great condensed version of his work put into yep. three books that yep. um you know are really essential and like um if you want like just like a if you want to see what he was about in the beginning, go read Anatomy of a Phenomenon or a Challenge to Science yeah. because they are, yeah. they, while they are, you know, outdated in his thinking style, they're they're fun books anyway because mm-hmm. they're a lot of the cases that he features in there he kind of brings back up in these books that we're talking about. So right. um, it's also you know a really great one. Do you, um, you know one of the cases you know in Delphos, Kansas? Do you remember that one where the yeah the Delphos ring case? Yeah, yeah, I love the Delphos and I am. Well, breaking news. Uh, I am going to drive out there this month. No way. Yeah, because it's about four hours away from me. And I watched the first off, there is a video on YouTube of some dude. <laughs> it has like 300 views. I'll send, I'll try to find it and send it to you. And he went to Delphos and just found, he asked somebody where uh, the kid, the, you know, the now, he's now an adult, the kid who Ronnie was Johnson. Something. Yeah. You're on Johnson. Yes. Thank you. He asked, he's like, he went to like some like little tiny, like historical, like, you know, shack where they had some of the dirt from the thing. And he's like, yeah, well, is Ryan Johnson still living here? He's like, yeah, he lives down the street. He's like, which house? And he pointed it out to him. He went up and knocked on his door and interviewed Ryan Johnson. That's amazing. Like two years ago. And so I'm not going to go knock on his door, but I'm just going to go walk around. And then if I see him, I can walk outside or I'm going to leave him a note and say, Hey, I could drive back here. I'd love to just like talk to you to get for lunch. Like, cause I love that case. I yeah, love it that is, case so much. It is a fascinating case. Cause like there yeah. is like some interesting evidence in that case and, and, and right. such. And yeah, it's, 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 um, it's one of those ones that doesn't get talked about enough either. No. Um, and there's like, there was science done on. Yeah. Ted that Phillips case. was out there, man. Like, yeah. you know, no, and then I know there's like the reason why it, I don't there's like I've heard also he didn't say this, but there was rumors that he said he also saw like a wolf boy. It was. <laughs> yeah. But it, then it, I heard it, that he never said that. And like that was like people trying to make him look crazy or something like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So for I don't sure. Um, I think there was like also a story about a like a, a wild woman or something like that in the mm-hmm. area. So like, yeah, there was a yeah. lot of that weird stuff. Yeah weird yeah. stuff going on for sure yeah sorry i didn't mean to tangentialize on those books no, but no 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 this is this reminds is our show of things right i get now. excited about yeah <laughs> this, is, this is our show right now this is yeah, our yeah, show yeah um, um one book i would recommend and i'm going to go back to this one i don't know if it's hard. it could be hard to find at this point but this was recommended to me by great bishop like 10 years ago it's called people of the people of the web and it's a great little book and it really, um, it's kind of like one of those, it's not like the most original book in the world. It kind of covers a lot of the things I love, like Operation Trojan Horse. But like, it talks about like the, you know, the um, ancient rituals and sacred sites and what they were trying to accomplish kind of in comparison with what ufologists are trying to accomplish or paranormalists or demonologists. So it kind of synthesizes the world's perspective and ancient history's perspective on the phenomenon and what it means to these different cultures and the similarities and, you know, the various patterns. It's a really wonderful book. I mean, he's such, 
he is such a scholar of like ancient civilizations too. Yeah. So it really, it's really nice to have like a guy who's definitely steeped in Fortiana, but has, he's like one of the foremost experts on Native American Indian mounts in the United States. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, follow him on Twitter. Like he, all he does in his retirement is photographs Indian mounts and professors go to him for knowledge. I think he's probably seen more than anyone in this country. Like that is, he is a complete expert on this stuff. So the That's dude amazing. know, and he's been doing this for 30, 40 years, very quietly, but now he's starting to really share his knowledge. And that, and that's why I recommend orange of the gods. Cause he kind of ties some of the stuff into it, but he is a fascinating man with a really cool, unique, um, and studied perspective. So I yeah. would definitely recommend people of the web. If you can get your hands on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I think is important when you're, getting into this topic is understanding that there are different cultural perspectives that are important that Mm -hmm. people probably don't talk about enough. Um, And when you really start diving into these cases, one um, country that you realize has a really deep history um, and it's well-documented is Brazil. Brazil has one of Mm -hmm. the most amazing documented UFO histories that you can ever come across. Um, So like uh, when it comes to, um two different books about two different countries that i recommend um ufos and abductions in brazil by irene granchi is is essential and ufos over africa by cynthia hind um i think what's fascinating about the ufos in africa is like there's such a unique and and um interesting cultural perspective on them because you have like um native peoples that still live there that uh consider some of these sightings to be like spiritual ancestors and not ufos Mm -hmm. like uh these ufos stepping these these aliens stepping out of ufos they don't look at them like that in 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 many cases and cynthia hind although she's you know received her fair share of criticism and like i think most of the uf the criticism in the ufo field comes from one person and strome clark half the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's such a curmudgeon i mean like i like a lot of his work i think he's been important but yeah he is yeah grumpy yeah like uh if you're really into ufos by this point and you're going through all this get your hands on a copy of the ufo encyclopedia it's very handy like the mm-hmm. third edition is really incredible it's in two big volumes and there's a lot of stuff in there like um like the biggest entry in that book and it's one of the most boring cases you'll ever read about is a case called the rb47 case which is this case in which the government was flying an airplane that had radar equipment in the on it and there was a ufo that was following it they they caught you know real life data in real time basically Mm -hmm. and you know it is an important case but it's it's just the fact that the entry for that case in the ufo encyclopedia is like 50 pages long i should you (laughs) You could do that in two buddy (laughs) yeah you, you really could but like he he went deep but um yeah these two books are just like endlessly fascinating and like um there was a paper that um i don't know if it was john mack or somebody else wrote um back in the 90s because uh at the time when he in like 94 he was kind of doing this um 
he's like making trips around the world basically i think he was um doing i don't know if he was doing research specifically for passport to the cosmos but like it's research that ultimately ended up in the book but he went around to like you know africa to brazil to like all over the place to like he's talking to shamans and stuff like that about the dogon yeah 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 exactly he was getting as many you know perspectives as he could and that's important in this topic Mm -hmm. you need to get like you need that broad view and and then like I remember when I first started this podcast, I was like, I'm only covering American stuff. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> There's more than enough. Yeah. We've got a ton I'm a UFO patriot. <laughs> yes. I am Ed Walters. Anything else is not American. And then you realize how incredibly stupid that is after yeah, a while. You're like, well, that's going to be pretty boring to limit myself. Yeah. To yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and so like, do yourselves a favor if you're really interested in this topic and and explore as many other cultures and it may not be easy to do that i mean even in the united states we do not we don't give space to marginalized communities and their experiences we don't give them room enough and we should we should embrace them more and you know i realize that i'm just a dude saying that and it's easy you know sometimes that may not be as easy to put into practice but it's something that should be done um well no rob i mean like i i want to just uh pat me in the back for this because one of my th- this obviously sounds like a very privileged position to be <laughs> to say this but one thing that keeps me up at night and really stresses me out is that i know for a fact that like so much good folklore ufo reports Bigfoot reports are disappearing from history mm-hmm. in the state of Nebraska, but it's happening all over the country. Like, yeah, like what your show is doing is also like it's while it's so fun, entertaining, informative, it, it ticks all the right boxes for me in terms of what I like to hear on a podcast, but also it is documenting these cases. And mm-hmm. I have learned, I swear to God, probably like. 60% of the cases you discussed, I had never heard about. And I've read a shit ton of UFO books, man. So it's it's like to document these things because this stuff will go away eventually. Yes, it will. Like, you know, unless it's documented in a new, in the new form. And I think podcasts, like, are something that will be around for a while. But books are, like, man, they're going away. Like, publishers are dying, you know. Like, they're not going to keep reprinting 40 out of books for all these old books forever. Like, so yeah. – to document these old cases, which are very important, you can learn a lot from them, uh, to me is so important. So thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um I think there's 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 one more book that I would um recommend to anybody. And especially if you want a, a unique and and kind of different perspective on the phenomenon. It defies language by Greg Bishop. It's a really good Absolutely. book. Absolutely, it's great. Yeah, yeah. That that was um. Just, I mean, I love it. I, I that's a book I would put on the list too. It, it it is, it's an amalgamation. A lot of that writing he was doing, where he was he he, he you know he was super into writing about UFOs. Yes, and for a while I know when he like because he was writing for UFO Mystic at the time, and UFO Mystic was like a little website blog space where him, Nick Redfern, um, Reagan Lee, and a couple others were just writing about UFOs. And it wasn't necessarily UFO current events. They're just like, I'm going to talk about the co-creation hypothesis. And like, you would write a blog about it. 
And a lot of um, what's in that book came from UFO Mystic. And I remember because when UFO Mystic went away, I was like so depressed, (laughs) depressed Mm -hmm. about it. And because I loved it, loved it, loved it. And it really was like super like important for me when I was like going into my next phase of being into this stuff. But that book is essential. Yes. It's you're so great. And it synthesizes a lot of the books we've talked about in a new kind of generation X way, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think, I think like Greg is one of those guys who's really able to take what like valet keel, you know, Greg little, you know, talked about, but Greg's a different generation. You know, he's gen X. I think he put a gen X perspective. Yeah. A lot of this stuff that to me, he did very well and very uniquely. Like he continued, that's why he continues to be such an important figure in this stuff. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, he's not averse to finding new ways to do things. I mean, like the UFO tarot deck. I'm like, I'm yeah. wait, I can't wait to get my hands oh my on God. it because I'm like, me too, dude. I'm gonna use like, it. I, I saw the email update like yesterday and I'm like, yes, they're finally yeah. being put in envelopes. <laughs> yep. I know, man. I'm I'm so fired up. And and that's one of the things, like, you know, when you listen to his show or listen to him right, he's like, it's not about finding answers, it's about asking better questions. Yes, absolutely. And I'm like, oh God, that's so great. Because <laughs> that is what it's about. Like, I mean, trying if if you're hoping if your end game is finding an answer to all this stuff, like, cool, good luck with that. I just don't think that's going to happen. But no. we can ask better questions and get kick the ball a little further down the field. So, a yeah, book like exactly. that totally does that for me. Exactly. And like, again, when at the end of the day, like when it when it comes to finding answers like we're most people have it in their head that they're trying to find an answer to something that is external to them while ignoring the internal things that we get from this phenomenon that we that we get from you know having one an interest in it two reading all these books and three what it really teaches us about ourselves and um who we are and our place in the in the world and in the universe and in in all of this stuff like um if you don't understand that looking up at a ufo teaches us about ourselves and yeah you should probably start rethinking the whole thing because i I think so i don't think you're you're gonna get the answers that you want to to something external and like yeah i've seen people froth at the mouth about this stuff and like oh yeah you know you know this is what it is this is what it is this is what it is but like the more you research this topic the more you realize that there's a lot of cross sections here folks like you can read about um humanoid cases that sound like hauntings you can read uh, about like bigfoot cases that seem like you know um they they stepped right out of that ufo man so Mm -hmm. like once you really expand you know what you think the ufo can be and like once you actually step outside the ufo itself yeah it becomes a a much larger thing you know so if anything i think these this this these book recommendations have put people on the path and i I think i'm proud of us i'm proud of what yeah yeah i'm here today i would i would throw two quick honorable mentions i will not go into the description but uh Christopher O'Brien's Into the Mysterious Valley books about yes. um, the San Luis Valley. I love those books. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, very good to me. And then I love 
especially Josh Cousins' trilogy about kind of the fairy faith, where it's um, a Trojan feast, brimstone deceit. I think those. He, I think he's doing the most, some of the most exciting writing with his comparative analysis mm-hmm. between the fairy faith and UFOs, and his new book, Ecology of Souls, between what does death have to do with UFOs? Right. So I would. I think in terms of like things that are hot off the press, I would pay attention to what every book Josh Cushion writes. Absolutely. Um, even the Bigfoot stuff. Go check oh, out I love those, those books. books. They oh are. my God. Him and Timothy Rent, uh, yeah, yeah, were the Footprint Fan, Volume 1 and 2. Yeah. Wonderfully fun Saturday afternoon. It's a little rainy out. Maybe you're sitting outside under some covered, you know, oh God, you have a cup of hot tea. You'll rip through those books in a day. Yes. They're so good. They're, they're so much fun. They're, they oh. are fun as hell. So, Dude, we did it. We recommended we a bunch it. of books. <laughs> we did it. People are gonna go broke now. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, I wrote down every book that I had not. I mean, I'm gonna buy, probably just buy all these like in a lump sum. Yeah, <laughs> and just get them all. And then, but now I have my summer reading cover because I was actually thinking. I was like, well, I'm gonna reread some books. But now, now I don't have time to. Uh, you just you put a ticking clock on me. I gotta get these done. I, I know you want book reports from me. Yeah, I need those book reports um, and they need to be double spaced, um, yeah. you know, 12 point font. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want you cheating or anything like that. Rob so, is so uh, strict, but the good thing is it's like book it where he buys me a personal pan pizza every time I yes, finish you. Of, uh, every time, <laughs> every time I will buy. Yes, I will always buy a personal pan pizza because I'm nostalgic for my childhood and I want people uh, to be able to relive man, it. <laughs> I am an example of how book it worked. I probably yeah. would not read any books now, like most of the people I know, but Book It was very effective for me. Yes. Book It was an amazing program that Pizza needs to bring back. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. They should, man. Yeah. <laughs> they really should. They, they really should. should. So, Steve, you got a podcast, man. You I got do. a podcast. Yeah, and guess what? Your tell me a little bit comes about. Tell the people a little bit about Hi. Um, well, you know, it's uh, obviously like I love being on shows like this, and I wanted to do more. I wanted basically an excuse to talk to people I want to talk to who are interested in these fun topics that we love. So I started a podcast because I felt the world needed more podcasts, Rob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so no, but honestly, this is just a way for me to discuss these kinds of things on a more regular basis and. Reach out to people. I'd have no reason to, you know, like I'm about ready to write a direct message to Greg Little to see if he'll come on my show, which I would be so scared and intimidated. But how else? I, I mean, like now I have an entree to talk to these people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I have this. I have a podcast called High Strangeness, and it, we're, I'm basically just tr- talking to people who are in the field. And I'm also doing something new where I just had uh, a comedian friend, Charlotte Newhouse, on who has been on Curb Your Enthusiasm, a bunch of TV shows. And she's got a mild interest in this stuff, but I basically told her about where she's from. She's from uh, like a, a, you know South New Jersey. So we talked about South New Jersey high strangeness. And so I just kind of like taught her about Valiant Thor and, uh, you know, <laughs> New Jersey devil and stuff like that. And she's like, what? You know, like, so every once in a while, I feel just to mix it up, I'll have like a actor buddy or a comedian friend on and I'll tell them about where they're from. You know, in terms of a with a Fordian perspective, and that's amazing. You know, yeah, it's just kind of because I love I love to I love to talk to people who aren't into this stuff and tell them like, dude, do you know where you grew up? There was like, you know, a UFO landing and a Bigfoot got out. You know, read right. Stan Gordon's book, and then they're like, you know, <laughs> but it's um yeah no, it, I'm having so much fun doing it. And Rob was so kind enough to be on my show, and actually, 
I don't know when this is going to be released, but it will be released the week of the 4th of July. So look out for his episode next week. Hell yeah. It was uh, wonderful. It was wonderful. It, it was super fun. No, it's it's super fun talking to you, dude. Because again, like you uh, you're you're an easy person to talk to, which is great, and uh, the conversations are always fantastic. And I've uh, I've listened to every episode, and you all oh, should go listen to every episode because they're all so fantastic. And and I, it's it's a great new podcast, and you should really go listen to it. And then you should go like rate and review it, like you should this Aww. show and like every yes. show because like, we need validation. In our lives this is we how it do. works like it is and, and you know what itunes says we need validation in our lives too it's not just mm-hmm. us it's like itunes and all these podcast apps so uh you should definitely go give them those five stars we don't accept anything other than five stars sorry yes. like sorry like, only the best and i, I will mean, say what i will say is I honestly thought with a podcast like hey you like you know you text somebody you get them to your show you hit record boom it's done I am astounded about how much work it takes to just like, and like mildly, like mildly, you know, edit an episode and even just like getting the sound right. Like I'm still learning all this stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm not great at it so far. I mean, I think sometimes my sound is off and my editing is probably not the best, but like, I'm trying to get better. This is like a whole new skill set for me. So I have a new appreciation for what guys like you have been doing for all these years my god i truly thought it was like hit record yeah export to the website it's done <laughs> i mean like you know there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that either because like i, I think what makes a podcast good is like the content and you're, you're you've right. got fantastic content because oh, like thanks man again the 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 every conversation that you have with people is so insightful and it's so great and like it's always great to see the joy that you have for this subject, these mm-hmm. subjects and stuff come out talking with these people. So like, yeah, oh, if you've thanks. really enjoyed this conversation, it's only natural to go check out Steve's podcast. It's <laughs> oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> Thank you, man. That's very, I'm very humbled to hear that. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Um, you all know where you can find us. Our strange skies.com. That's, that's where that's the easiest place to find anything that I do. And, um, yeah um what else what else uh you know special thanks to floats he lets us use his song ufo and, I, and it's oh. a great song i love that song it's it's, so it's in my head so much you have no idea <laughs> like since i started listening to podcasts there probably is like very few days i go without saying it mm-hmm. in my head it's a beautiful song it really is. It, is it is uh and to the canadian guy that didn't like it go fuck yourself uh, <laughs> It's an objectively a great song. Yeah, I mean, I have to second that. It is. It is. Yeah, Megan Lagerberg did our logo. Um, Desdemona has done many of our T-shirt designs. Spencer Worth Davis, he's the man behind the curtain. He does all the the he does all the hard work that Steve does now because I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so he does that. Um, oh yeah, check out Welcome UFO People. Guess we, we just dropped uh, oh, yes. issue number ten, Indrid Cold, and it has one of my favorite Easter eggs on it. So if you go um, either on Twitter or Instagram. Um, we actually did a panel by panel breakdown for this one, but if you go to um, the last panel, there's actually a, a bumper sticker on it because that says 
happy birthday, Richard Haddam, because he was born the day that <laughs> Woody Derenberger had his encounter with injured Cole. So, um, yeah, paying tributes to friends in, in our comics. Um, yeah. And don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or while perusing through your bookshelf in gray, mm-hmm. we trust. Media.